the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We are fortunate to be alive at this moment in history. I can hear you. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. The truth is plain to see. If you want freedom, take pride in your country. If you want democracy, hold on to your sovereignty. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin of The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin, great to be with you. Don't forget ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, just like the ProAmerica Report we're in together right now. Go there and check out and get signed up for our email blast every day, ProAmericaReport.com. Great to be with you. Uh, You know, there's so much happening in the world, and it's always hard. In this segment, we get to what you need to know. The wink, the daily wink. In fact, the daily email that goes out at uh, 5 a.m. West Coast time, 8 a.m. East Coast time. That's what it's called, the wink, what you need to know. And we try to focus in on that because we'll have some interviews in a little while. We'll have different folks. And if you go to ProAmericaReport.com, you'll see some of those interviews and uh, standalone segments. But what is it you should be focused on today? Over the weekend, we saw lots of different coverage. You know, I told you on Friday about Joe Biden's Uh, policies on immigration. He wants amnesty for illegal immigrants in this country, illegal aliens. And I saw over the weekend, I told you on Friday that the number was 11 million. It turns out that, you know, reputable estimations is it's really 22 or 23 million. I told you it was higher than that. I wasn't sure if it was 20 million, 22 or 23 million people getting, uh, getting to have uh, amnesty in America, citizenship. It's pretty extraordinary uh, call. Well, now we, what we're seeing is I didn't realize this. I didn't say it well enough. And this isn't what you need to know, by the way. This is just me telling you we're starting to see the contrast. The reason why Joe Biden has had to say some policies is because late last, excuse me, in the middle of last week, Wednesday or Thursday, there was finally this um, this committee that Biden had said to Bernie Sanders supporters, we want you to support us. So come to a committee. We'll settle up on some of these policies. And it was a chance for the so-called progressive wing to get some policy preferences. And that's why now you're seeing those. So now we're going to see a series of policy positions that he has uh, embraced that we these are now Joe Biden's positions that he will take into office and unstated as I told you is what is his policy on the people around him all around him that are going to run the country who are supportive of the Black Lives Matter terrorist movement and and I'm going to read for you later on in the week a quote from Joe Biden and I'm going to, I'm warning you now, I'm going to sneak up on you. I'm going to read it on the air. I'm going to say it as if it's my words. And I, I guarantee you, when I say it, it will cause 
a, 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 a nightmare of attention for me because they'll think I'm saying it. So just wait for that. It's extraordinary. But even that, none of that's what you need to know. Here's what you need to know today. I'm debuting a little bit of a segment here, a tie-in. You know, for, for a few years now, as I've been doing this radio program and talking to all you all across the country, folks that tune in on, on the radio at, the, sale, at uh, the Answer San Diego on the Salem Radio Network, on podcasts, on seg- standalone segments, I've been telling you what you need to know. The Daily Wink, W-Y-N-K, Wink, what you need to know. And today, what I'm, tell- I'm going to tell you what you need to know, but I'm also going to tell you what you need to do. Because the period of time where we can just talk to each other and listen to what's going on and have insightful conversations and, and kind of encourage each other, that time is, is gone for now. We can do it again in November 4th. Between now and November 3rd, we have to get serious, not only about what we need to know together, but what we need to do. So it's the wink and the window. You like that window? Window. What you need to do. That's what we have to talk about. So today, here's the wink for today. The wink for today is this. 16 weeks from tomorrow, the nation will vote November 3rd on the direction of our country fundamentally. What what you need to know is 16 weeks from tomorrow, 16 weeks from tonight, tonight, 16 weeks from today, right now, this evening, will be the, the eve of the election in 2020. And what's at stake? What's on the ballot? American history, American culture, American law, America's standing in the world. There, there are these articles that are being written now about how they say Donald Trump doesn't get along well with others. You know, he's not getting along, didn't get along, China and all this. We needed somebody who didn't get along. The last four or five presidents got along with China fine, and they ate our lunch. So what's on the ballot 16 weeks from tomorrow is the direction of the country. And now you can see exactly what is happening. You, we're going to talk in, in these weeks. We'll say, there's the, I'll tell you, there's the fake news. They're lying to you. Remember the Russian bounty story out of Afghanistan that the Russians were paying a bounty for Afghanis to kill American soldiers. Remember that story for two day, two weeks now? I heard from a friend of mine, a retired Marine. He said, I can't stand this president now. I'm so mad about that Russian bounty story. And I said, let's wait and see. Turns out the story was made. It wasn't made up. The story was not sourced to real intelligence. In other words, it was speculation like the Michael Steele dossier. It was made up so that the fake news could run with it, hurt the president, and then when you get a retraction, nobody notices. So you know what's coming out this week? The stories about the Russian bounty on American soldiers that to pay the Afghanis to kill Americans, they don't know if it's true. In other words, when somebody says they don't know if it's true, that means they made it up to hurt the president. So you don't get briefed. And remember they said, oh, the president doesn't read his briefings, all this stuff. You don't get briefed on things that aren't real. Because if you read what wasn't real, you'd make decisions based on not what was real. You're talking about the President of the United States. This isn't the kind of, uh, you know, this isn't the brand new congressman from Sheboygan who says, well, brief me on everything. I'm really into this. And you say, well, why not tell this guy about this? He goes out and says, oh, there's a problem. It's different than the president starting a war. My point here is we're going to spend our time talking about this. But what you need to know is 16 weeks from tomorrow, what's on the ballot is the future, the direction of the country. And we now will have clarity of what Joe Biden's positions are, what he wants to do, what he thinks should happen. And more importantly, the people around him, his pick for vice president, all these others are going to be the ones in charge anyway, because everybody can see he has diminished capacity. He's either going to be a caretaker. There's going to be a caretaker government around him, or he's going to step down within a short period of time if he won. 
So that's what's at stake. That's what you need to know. 16 weeks. 16 weeks. Okay? 16 weeks. What can you do in 16 weeks? If I tell you that's what's at stake, you've got to move from the place where you say, oh, I understand there's a lot at stake, and I understand there's a lot at stake. I understand. No. You have to now move into the zone of doing something about it. I'm not telling you yet that you have to stand on a street corner like Scott Pressler or somebody else with a Trump sign. A lot of people don't want to do that. They're afraid. I, I stood at a, 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 a booth, a tent, at the uh, a farmer's market near my house on Saturday, and a woman volunteered to be there with me. Nice lady. She said, my children, she's about 60. She's, oh, she told me she was 72, 73. And she said, my children told me, don't do it. You could be shot. That's what her child said. Are your children liberal? She said, no, they're conservative. She said, but they said, don't do it, mom. And she said, I'm here. And she said, I was a little nervous. I said, nobody's going to shoot you. I said, don't worry about it. But she said, I was nervous. And then after about an hour, she said, I'm so glad I'm here. People were coming up. The FedEx man, the FedEx truck, he was working. He stopped, got out of his car and came over and said, I'm so happy to see you guys here with the Trump signs. He's got to win again. Is he going to win again? And we said, only if you do something about it. Only if you do something about it. So, but back to my point, I'm not asking you to put a sign in your yard yet. I'm not asking you to staff a, a tent at your local farmer's market or your, or your little league. I don't know if they're doing any of those places. Depends on where you are. I am saying you got to get your mind around that it's time to do something. And today, if you come back for the rest of the show, in the last segment of the show, I'm going to do what you need to do every day. What you need to do. And, and I'll tell you because I want you to get used to what I'm asking for. Today, I want you to go and I want you to find, it's going to take you one search of the internet. I want you to find the oath of office that General Flynn, a few days ago, with his family on the 4th of July, read out loud. Do you remember seeing that? If you didn't, there's a video on the internet. Do a search. The, the U.S. Code has the oath of office. If you take an office and you have to swear the oath, you, the oath is in the law, and General Flynn and his family took the oath. What you need to know is it's 16 weeks from tomorrow. That's what's at stake, and what you need to know is it's time to move. It's time to start moving. It's time to start doing things that will make you and I better ready for what's in 16 weeks every single day. And today what I'm telling you to do is take the oath. Find the oath. And take it. It's on, it's on my social media. It'll be on the website. But the oath, I'll do, give it to you real quickly so you hear it. The oath is this one. I, Ed Martin, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I will take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I'm about to enter. So help me God. That's in American law. We don't say, so help me, you know, uh, secular, you know, being in charge. So help me God. Okay. That's what's at stake. That's what we have to do. You got to help do it. And the office we're taking on, the office we're swearing to uphold is American citizen. Let's go. Be right back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Back in a minute. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is Congressman Jim Banks, who is from the 3rd District in Indiana. And before I give him any other credit, I have to say that one of my friends for a long time has been a guy named Scott Schneider. He's a businessman now, but he was a state senator in Indiana, and he stood up 
for conservatives a bunch of times. His mother and father were great friends of the late Phyllis Schlafly. Our, we're great friends of her, and, and us, in fact, his mother serves on our board, and so does he now. But he's a great guy. So when I was saying I was going to talk to Jim Banks, he said, well, Jim Banks and I think you were roommates. And he said, when you were in the legislature in Indiana, he said, he's a super guy. So first of all, welcome, Congressman Banks, and congratulations on a, a, the most important recommendation, Scott Schneider. So there you have it. Well, great to be with you, Ed. Uh, the Schneider family is an institution in Indiana politics. Uh, they they set the bar when it comes to conservative politics. And Scott Schneider, when he was a state senator, and I shared our offices uh, together. And, and uh, I learned so much from him. I learned so much from his parents. And it really brings a smile to my face to hear you uh, mention them today. <laughs> it's great. Well, good. Well, listen, I should say thank you for uh, serving. You were you served in the Navy with the Naval Reserves, which is a big deal. You've also been somebody who's been really clear eyed on China uh, and what's happening. But so, let me ask you, I mean, you're relatively new to uh, to the the uh, federal and national politics. I mean, it's a few years now you've been in. But um, is the you know what what what's at stake? How do you you know you, everybody says the next election is the biggest election? But how do you tell your constituents and folks that say what's going on? What's at stake? How do you describe what you what you're seeing? Well, you know, I, you're right. I'm, I'm new to it. I've been I've been doing it for long enough to see uh, just how much is at stake. My, my, my constituents they don't need me to tell them this. Uh, they already know it. I mean, the, the difference between Donald Trump in the White House and Joe Biden in the White House is night and day. And my, my constituents get that. That's why President Trump has been overwhelmingly popular in my district and really throughout Indiana, throughout throughout uh, the, the Midwest, the Rust Belt, because we've seen the resurgence of, of uh, manufacturing jobs, of, of, of blue-collar, working-class America come back to life under President Trump. And that's it. It starts, it starts with that. If we, if we go back in time to the failed economic policies, the, the stagnant economic uh, growth uh, curve that we saw under the Obama years, which was the big government um, uh, uh, era of, of the Obama uh, era of, of the eight years that it was Obama and Biden in the White House versus Trump and Pence. I mean, my, my constituents see the difference as much as anywhere, whether it's putting pressure on China uh, for better trade deals to put American workers first. Um, which I'm sure we can talk a lot more about today as well, or it's, yeah. um, it's what this president has done to roll back regulations, cut taxes. I mean, the, the track record here has been so enormously successful until COVID-19 that it's not lost on, on most Hoosiers what the difference be- would be between Trump and Biden in the White House. You know, let's talk about the America, the America, uh, American jobs kind of stuff, you know, in terms of uh, I told someone, you know, one of the things that's hard to quantify to, to tell someone is this president and, and the administration has cut regulations all the time. They've, they've said that any chance they can, they, they eliminate the things to let people try right to get. It's not just right to try, which was a big deal in terms of trying. If you're terminally ill or, or very, very sick, you can try medicines and things. You don't have to wait till uh, approvals. But just generally businesses, you, you, you if there's friction in the way of starting your business or growing your business, you, it slows you down. That's the nature of friction. And it, this has been extraordinary. But talk about how the American jobs, jobs come Coming back, what you see. I mean, you were in the state Senate uh, in Indiana, so you would know the state politics and the state economy well. You were in the, in, in the Naval Reserves and deployed over in Afghanistan, so you know the international thing. But tell us what the American jobs look like in, in Indiana and because of the policies here. Well, first let me say, when, when, when uh, President Trump was 
sworn into office. That's when I, that's when I was a brand new member of Congress. Went from serving in the state senate uh, to to Washington D.C. Uh, and I came I came with President Trump. So that that's all I've ever known is him him in the White House. Huh. I, hope, I hope that's going to be the way it will be for a long time to come. But <laughs> one of the things that he did uh, right from the outset of his administration, and you could you could immediately feel it when he did it. And that 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 was when he immediately started uh, signing executive orders and working with Congress to roll back regulations. You could feel it. You could you could feel the American economy react to the federal government taking its foot off of the neck of American businesses and allow them to thrive, grow, uh, build new good paying jobs for the middle class. I mean, it was it was almost immediate. The economic uh, growth numbers. I mean, from the outset of the Trump administration. Every month, the jobs reports, every quarter, the job, the, the uh, unemployment uh, reports would come out. It just kept getting better and better and better. And that and that that was the focus that Trump brought to reviving uh, working class, uh, middle class uh, jobs in America. But also, you know, Ed, I started out as a, I've always considered myself a free trader, right? I mean, as a conservative, we're both conservatives. I've always believed in the mm-hmm. tenets of free trade. But what President Trump taught me. Uh, more than anybody, is that these bad trade deals that we've had historically, uh, whether it was NAFTA or especially the trade deals with China, with a a, um, sort of a a bull in the China shop attitude that President Trump has brought uh, to his position in in forcing um, these, these countries that we've historically have had imbalanced trade relationships with to renegotiate better trade deals for America, We've seen the we've seen the effect of that as well, and I that's what I appreciate. I'm the, I'm the son of a factory worker. My dad worked in a factory all of his life and made axles. My mom was a cook in a nursing home, um, and I come from a, a, a region of the country that's made up of a job of jobs, especially from the automotive industry and other industries. But by the way, my district has the most manufacturing jobs per capita of any district in the country. We've seen that substantially grow and and widen. Because of the Trump economy, that, of course, that that is until we got to COVID nineteen. It's a whole different subject. But but when we think about that, where we are today, um, there there is no one in the, there is no one in in America that I can think of that would rather have the wheel to rebuild and regrow America's economy than the guy that did it uh, three and a half years ago. That being Donald Trump. We're, again, we're talking with Congressman uh, Jim Banks, and uh, he's Indiana's third congressional district. And uh, and I'll put up on social media all his uh, websites and all his uh, has a House website and then the campaign one. But I want to ask you about this because I know we talked about it before uh, because our listeners are uh, always um, growing and understanding how things work. There is, and you're one of the leaders on one of the committees. The the uh, the um, uh, in the in the um, uh, Congress, the Republican Study Committee, which I think was founded 40 years ago, but the idea was it was the group that was looking, and, and you're the I think the head of the uh, Budget and Spending Task Force. So tell us about what the Republican Study Committee is, why it's there, what it does, how important it is. I think it's where a lot of good things, ideas have come out. It's not always the political arm in a way; it's the it's the conservative sort of thinking arm, think tank. I'll walk me through that so people know. Yeah, it's been, it's been around for a long time, and it's it's uh, over time it's had different names. It's it's uh, sort of ebbed and flowed in its uh, significance in the House, but currently we're 140 members out of the almost 200 members of the Republican Conference. So it's a it's the largest caucus within the Republican Conference, and it's the it's the conservative wing of the Republican Conference. Now you've probably heard of the Freedom Caucus before. Republican Study Committee has been around for a lot longer, but 
hear a lot about the Freedom Caucus, and most Freedom Caucus members are members of Republican Study Committee as well. We work we work strongly together. I mean, we have different huh. uh, we have different roles in the process. But the Republican Study Committee is really the the policy or the what I like to think of as the intellectual arsenal of the conservative movement in the House. And, and part of our job is to work with our leadership using the collective force of those 140 members to go to our leadership and say, we, we want to take any bill that might pass and push it as far to the right as we can, especially if it's, mm-hmm. a, if it's an important piece of legislation, to make it as absolutely conservative as it can be in that negotiation process uh, before it passes. Now, that, that, that makes a lot more sense when you're in the majority than when you're in the minority. So <laughs> right. in the minority, right. we're all conservatives. We're all voting no all the time. So we have, it's a different role that you play in the majority, and I hope we'll get the majority back next term. But in the minority, the Republican Study Committee, it's our job to, to sound the alarm and to, and to speak out for conservative principles and let America know what's being done on Nancy Pelosi's watch and how, how egregious and how far left the socialist wing of the Democrat Party has taken their party um, over, the, over the cliff and taking our country with it if we let them. Uh, and that, that's part of what what Republican Study Committee is up to. That we meet on a weekly basis. We talk about conservative legislation, conservative ideas. We bring speakers in and speak with us on a weekly basis. It's a very a very important part of the of the conservative efforts on Capitol Hill. Again, partnering with Freedom Caucus, other Values Action Team, the Pro Life Caucus, Republican Study Committee is really the entity within the House that brings all of those conservative groups together to work on uh, advancing a conservative agenda. Well, it's it's important stuff, and I think, uh, as you say, that they, one, one of the things I keep telling people is what what happens next year. You know, what's a vision? Not just what what's a defense like. Stop Black Lives Matter. Stop the silliness. It's what could you be doing, right? How do you think creatively about what the future could be in this world where so many things are changing? So coronavirus changes. I think that's where the Republican Study Committee could have a, a special role. All right, Congressman Jim Banks. I'm sorry to say, time flies. Indiana's third congressional district. There, Congressman Jim Banks. Thanks, uh, Congressman, and keep us informed on what's going on. I know so much at stake in this uh, in the fall election and so many uh, different pieces, and we look forward to. By the way, I just want to give one quick plug because I think it's such a cool detail of your biography that when you went over to serve in Afghanistan in the Navy, um, your wife under a rule in Indiana could serve as the in your spot as a state senator, which I think is probably everybody probably could vote and agree that it's an improvement. I think this is a great idea. We could send away some of these guys and then have their wives serve. It might be oh, we'd have to decide some wouldn't be an upgrade, but that's a pretty neat thing. A neat piece of your biography and good for her. I guess one question. Does she get like a pension? Does she serve for long enough or something that she could get in the system? Maybe that's nah, a, she, maybe you don't want to answer that. that. <laughs> But she didn't get that, but Scott Schneider and Vice President Pence tell me all the time that she was a far better state senator than I was. So that's what I got out of it. That's that's pretty good. All right. Well, hey, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule, Congressman Jim Banks. And we'll we'll stay in touch. I appreciate you very much. You got it. Have a good day. All right. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is my old friend, Dr. Brett M. Decker. Dr. Decker is a New York Times bestselling author. Previously, he served uh, as a journalist at the Wall Street Journal Asia, lived over in the Far East, and of course, he was the editorial page editor of the Washington Times. He currently sits on the board of advisors. I think that's the right term for the USA Today's editorial page, and sometimes writes there, and is a professor at Defiance College in Ohio. He's a busy guy. But welcome back, Dr. Decker. How are you? I'm okay. I'm I'm looking, you know, back here in the Midwest, things are, it seems like things are sort of gradually starting to shut down again. 
So I think I think we're going to look at a national trend probably. Um, you know, the South opened up quickly, um, and, it, and it seems like they're getting ready to do more lockdowns. So what that means to the economy and the election, um, you know, I think there's a lot on the table. It is. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, p- p- part of what I hear from people is, um, they like that the president pushed the president Trump pushed to reopen. They like that he's pushing for the schools. Uh, but you know, as you pointed out, we were talking off the air. Again, we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker. The reality is, when you're making when people are adjusting to the fear, right? And there, and there's clearly you know some people are getting sick, right? There are cases. Then you know people aren't necessarily rational, right? They're not making rational decisions. And again, the biggest thing for me is the economy. Um, you tell me. I know one, your background is, of course, observing the world economy too. Um, you know, the economy seems to be heading back, but it's not back. It's not going to be back in a month or two. So the question is what people, voters feel. If they feel a bad economy, they tend to punish the incumbent, don't they? Uh, they do. And, and you know, for, for, for a month or two when coronavirus started hitting, you know, Trump, President Trump's numbers were staying relatively solid because people weren't blaming him for it. I think the thing is, the longer it goes on, um, uh, you know, his, num- his numbers are weakening. And part of that is, you know, I mean, the media attacking him, the president maybe not always um, being clear about what his intentions are. Um, but also, I think they'll give you a little while. And then, but, you know, if the economy keeps sliding for nine months, then, 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 they, then you, they start to blame the guy in the office. And, and I think that's what what you're starting to see happen uh, in the polls. Um, the uh, yeah, so we're talking with Brett M. Decker. I want to ask you about China because there was a, the Wall Street Journal had a had a uh, uh, front page um, uh, piece today. The reporting was that China's not going to lead the way out of the global uh, or lead the, the global economy in growth or, or lead, and that wasn't the phrase. I'm sorry, I'm missing the phrase. But it basically the story went on that the, the reporting went on to say. China's not in any position to sort of be the strong leader out of, to get the economy going. And I think people in America miss that, right? We, we tend to hear, oh, boy, China's uh, you know, eating our lunch. They steal our stuff. They're mean on fentanyl. They're all these things. They've got their own uh, economic problems. How bad is the economic problem in China, do you think? How, what is the reality of the economy in China? Because they lie about it to the, to the world. But what do you think it is really? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of the talking points you hear out there, they're talking heads, guests on TV that people see on the news. Um, their talking points are about 10, from about 10 years ago in China, and they haven't been updated. So what we heard for years is, you know, the Chinese dragon is the next superpower. Um, by 2025, China is going to pass the U.S. economy. Well, all of that has been proven false at this point. So people are just, they're stuck in a narrative that isn't really a threat anymore. Um, China has, they have so many internal dynamics that, um, well, one, I mean, they're used to providing, right? I mean, their economy is ba- is export-based uh, more than consumption at home. Uh, so, I mean, the world's locked down. So they're not, you know, everyone's buying fewer things and less junk from China, that has a huge effect on China, but even more so, they have demographic problems. They're moving gradually moving from the countryside to the city. It's a it's a dramatically graying population. Um, you know, they have they have millions more boys and girls, so that leads to all kinds of social issues. So this is a big mess that no one knows how. Right? They're they're clamping down on Hong Kong. 
Taiwanese officials are saying, oh my gosh, as Hong Kong goes, we're next. So this is a cauldron of issues that no one knows are going to work out. All of them have an economic cost, right? So in, in Hong Kong, Hong Kong has a pretty small geographic footprint, but it's like it's the most expensive real estate in the world. So what do they do? They have nowhere to go because they don't have much land. So they just keep tearing down buildings and building them higher and higher. It's enormously expensive architecture uh, that they that they plan years in advance. Right now, all these real estate agents on these extremely expensive projects in Hong Kong, they have you know hundred story buildings. They don't know who they're going to fill them with now because fewer foreigners and, and expats are looking to set up shop in Hong Kong as they clamp down on human rights. So, so China is this big question mark across the board, um, but what it doesn't have is any kind of stability to sort of displace us as a global superpower. And I think one thing you see is the United States dollar is kind of the go-to currency for the whole planet. That's not going to be replaced by the RMB, but by, you know, by the Chinese yuan, and nobody, nobody, including Chinese, pretend it's going to be. So what, what that is, is kind of an underlying assumption that Europeans and everybody else in the world makes that for the foreseeable future it's America because there's nobody else. And, and, I, and I think kind of the reality of the Chinese situation. Is um, so when but when people say uh, and like you or when I hear you say that Ch- uh, China's got its own problems, you know, they've got, um, you know, and, and they have one point two billion people. It, it, can you imagine what the problem would be like if, if people starve in China because their economy goes bad? They're not going to let CNN in to cover it. Right. They're going to be mass suffering and all. So will we really know? what what is you know how they're doing and and could it be that it's destabilizing enough at this point or in this era to uh to make something dramatic happen in china yeah i mean that's that's kind of the uh that's kind of the million one question i guess is like is uh you know can china become a failed state and that's a bigger problem for everybody or to avoid becoming a failed failed state they have to clamp down everywhere um in in a really tough and brutal fashion and then what then how does the world respond right and then what does that do to their economy so so i think you have this kind of mixture of options but the one thing it doesn't exist is this idea of china growing continually in the future their economy is about two-thirds of ours right now so Mm -hmm. 10 years ago they were saying they were going to surpass us in two or three years from now so so that that's kind of subsided and isn't realistic i think a danger is though with all these challenges economic challenges internal challenges you know that they go to um, the course of action that a lot of people take governments especially tyrannical governments take when they're in trouble and they look to military solutions and i think right i think that's something we really should be careful about well, and, and if you think about it, I want to ask you about this because you spent a lot of time in Hong Kong. I mean, basically, the Chinese have slowly but surely in the last year and a half, two years, effectively gotten control of Hong Kong, right? So, I mean, if you want, they didn't have to use military force, but, I mean, um, that's a big shift that maybe people aren't even noticing, right? Yeah, I moved to Hong Kong two years after the handover, and every year, which was a, the handover was 1997, every year... Um, they restricted rights and took away some rights. So it was this kind of gradual movement for about decades. And now they're at the point where they're not even pretending. And they're saying, look, if we try you for a crime in Hong Kong, we can, we can 
arrest you and send you to the mainland to face a mainland court. So uh, that's pretty scary stuff for people in Hong Kong who are used to having Western-style rights. When the British handed Hong Kong uh, to China, there was an agreement that China would respect uh, the rights they had sort of as a colony, individual rights, and now those are all totally gone. There's no right to protest, no right to assembly, no right to free speech, um, no right to even know what your crimes are if you're accused of one. So um, I think it's a pretty, pretty scary situation. And what, and, and what it does is it gives Beijing a lot of confidence um, in, right. and that they can get away with whatever they want. And that's what makes the Taiwanese serious. Yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're looking at it from the standpoint of, of Beijing, they say, we just did that and nobody really got on our tail too bad. I mean, they, you know, they're fighting with us over other, other, other stuff, but it sure seems like we can get away with it. Okay, uh, I got to run, unfortunately. It goes fast. Uh, Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times bestselling author. Thank you, as always, uh, for your insight. We'll check in next week. Uh, have a great week. And we, I wanna, by the way, next week I want to talk to you about schools opening, not just uh, you're teaching the youth in college, but also uh, uh, we're watching a lot of the schools talk about the fall, what that means for the economy and all. So uh, put that in your uh, in your brain for speaking next week. And we'll, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. A key to any free and prosperous society is open discourse. When different people are allowed to exchange different ideas on different issues, the truth tends to prevail. Good ideas rise to the top and bad ideas fall out of favor. However, when someone attempts to control the dialogue by denying the right of certain viewpoints to be heard, we lose the very best that open discourse has to offer. And now it seems Facebook and the other elites of big tech are taking this away. PragerU has built an empire of conservative thought on the tagline, short videos, big ideas. They consolidate conservative positions into short, watchable clips stuffed with facts and logic. It's no wonder that PragerU has over 3.4 billion views and counting. However, the weakness of this conservative titan is that it relies on social media platforms to spread its content. These big tech bullies aren't too happy about conservative ideas being spread broadly. That's why companies like Spotify and YouTube censor PragerU. Now it seems Facebook is piling on too. Facebook has implemented a series of restrictions on PragerU's Facebook page, including reducing the traffic to the page. The excuse Facebook is using for these restrictions is alleged repeated sharing of false news. The one example they point to is a video about how the world population of polar bears seems to be increasing despite declining amounts of ice. Is that fake news? Hiding behind a biased third-party fact-checking organization, Facebook said PragerU is lying. The scientist PragerU mentioned in the video came out to defend it, but Facebook refused to admit their own agenda of targeting conservatives. Dark forces are obviously at work here. We can't grow as a society without truly open discourse. We need to hear everyone's ideas. While I'd love to tell you exactly what I think of Facebook, I don't think I can say it any better than PragerU did when they released a statement saying, Facebook should get a backbone 
and stand up for free speech. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. It's a good lineup right there. I hope you listened. If you didn't hear those two interviews, Congressman Jim Banks of Indiana, his third congressional district, and Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times bestselling author. Uh, both of those are good interviews. You can always track them down, by the way. Go to the, uh, excuse me, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. I'll have them as standalone interviews. You can check them out. You can also go to TheAnswerSanDiego.com, get the show as a podcast, and of course, uh, be on top of my show there, Andrea Kay's show. Uh, this is there's good programming. Thank you for your support of that. All right. Let, I told you today we're going to do something different. I'm going to finish each show. I'm going to open the show with what you need to know. That's the wink, the daily wink. That's what you go to ProAmericaReport.com. You'll see it. Bam. It comes in your in- email box. Uh, do it. Get it. All right. Got that. But then I'm going to finish with the new segment. I'm calling it What You Need to Do. Because what you need to do is every day you got to take one step, baby step, small step. I'm a big believer you can't eat the elephant in one big bite, right? You got to eat. And this is, I don't know what this, this teaching thing. Someone said this to me once. You can't eat an elephant in one big bite. You got to take little bites. And that's not a, maybe who wants to eat an elephant? Anyway, you can't, you can't do a monstrous task like change the country, save the country on November 3rd by, by waiting and doing it all at once. So what you need to do is take a step today, okay? So one of the steps that we've been taking for months now is the Pledge of Allegiance. It's catching on. People are saying it. I'm actually adding another to your toolbox today, and that is the oath, the oath of office. Because General Flynn, who's smarter than me and definitely smarter than you and tougher than me and definitely tougher than all of us put together, he pointed us in this direction on July 4th. July 4th, 2020, General Flynn persecuted by our legal system for three and a half years he gave us direction. He didn't have to hold a press conference and say, here's an order. Here's a direction. He did. He gave us a direction by shooting a video on July 4th in the late afternoon with his family. Have you seen it? Go on social media and do a search. It's, it sent the media into a tizzy. They went crazy because they don't know what to make of it. And I can tell you, it's just the beginning. As soon as he gets free of this horrendous process, and I call it a process, the, the process is the punishment. What they've done to him for three and a half years, the process is the punishment. You could, you could have sent him to jail for three and a half years. It probably would have felt better than this. But here's what he said on July 4th, and this is what you need to do. You need to find this. You can find it online. You can go on my social media. And the pledge, the oath of office is very simple. I, Ed Martin, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which which I'm about to enter, so help me God. Now check this out. That's in the code, the U.S. code. The U.S. code has the oath of office in the code. So help me God is in our law, right? We shouldn't be surprised, but we should remember it. We pledge, we, we, we bear true faith and allegiance. Uh, we're back to that allegiance. 
So help me God. And what's the office? What's the office? What you need to do now is understand the office that we've been called to is the office of American citizen. And an American citizen called that office. We have to step into that. Between now and November 3rd, we have to do things differently. You know, the, 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 what is it? The definition of insanity is to do the same thing, to do something uh, the same way and get the same result. Expecting a different result, that's insanity, is right? Do the, do the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. That's insanity. So we can't do the same thing. We can't do what we did last month, the month before, a year ago. We have to go forward in a special way, and that starts today by taking this oath, by taking the oath and understanding what we're starting today. 16 weeks from tomorrow is an election day. On the ballot is the direction of America. American history is on the ballot. Uh, America's way of life is on the ballot. The Constitution's on the ballot. That's what's at stake. Go listen to the Mount Rushmore speech again that Donald Trump did and look at it and understand the media is screaming still about the Rushmore speech. You know why? Because they know he got them. He captured what they were doing. He's got it down. And we do too now. By the way, the media is also screaming about uh, Mike, General Mike Flynn saying the oath of office. Screaming. Going crazy. Why? Because they know that General Flynn gave us a signal. And the media knows if we, the people, get our stuffing together and get direction and do what we're supposed to do, you can never stop the American people. So that's what you need to do. All right. Thank you, as always, uh, for listening to the program. Don't forget, ProAmericaReport.com. Go there and check it out. Thank you to Randy filling in for our great Noah, the technical director par excellence. He'll be back very soon. Joanna for helping book. And don't forget, you know, we know what we know. We know what we know. And now we know what we need to do. Let's do it. All right. Be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Talk to you tomorrow.